y'all, this is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey, welcome back to Yolitics. Wheeler has his credit card out here. At, I do at have the my bar. credit card out here because I've been tipped off now? about something, but we'll get to it in just a second. No, let's get to it now. No, we'll get to it in a second. We're at, we're you're at buying right now. I you, you've bought this my beer that's open. sitting in front of me. We're, we're at Bangers in Austin. This is on Rainy Street for uh, for you guys who know Austin. Is it not on Rainy Street? This it is, is Rainy Street. Is this is Rainy, Rainy Street. Street. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, you gave me that the look. The Rainy Street. Oh, it's the Rainy Street. The Rainy Street. Street. It is. So it's a great place. Let's get straight to our guest. We have Bud Kennedy from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram with us. Longtime friend of, uh, of ours. Another longtime friend of ours and, and mine, uh, Ashley Godot. She is the managing editor of political content and anchor at KVU TV in Austin. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. And both of y'all have been on the podcast with us uh, multiple times, but it seems like we are always doing it by Zoom. This is a yes, way better remotely. way to do this. Absolutely. Yeah, so right. I pulled out my credit card because, uh, well, you're you're getting the beers here, Jason. You put that on your card. What are you having, Ashley? Yours looks the most intriguing here at the table. Because I asked for the most fun drink. <laughs> when there is a menu with this many options. There's like, you, how many are there up there? There's 101. 101 beers. So that's the, the Malbec? What did you pick No, there? this is the Malbec. The Moon Tower Pomegranate Rosemary. Oh, no, that's pretty heavy. Cider. It's a cider. It's very, the pomegranate is pushing through, baby. It is. What do you have? This is the East Cider. You know, it's kind of a sunny day, starting to get hot in Austin. So a little cool East Cider is what's happening on Rainy Street. How about you, Whiteley? What are you having? Are you okay? What do you have? How many are you in here? I have. My last I've got two glasses in front of me. I'm having number 19. It's the Live Oak Pilsner, and it's Live Oak is a brewery here in town, I believe. It it's is. over by the airport. Someone said. Sure. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of breweries in Austin. Yeah. Right. So. Could be, we could be sitting in it right now. I'm Testing your know knowledge that. today. Actually. What, what do you pretty have? Much um, I'm having two of them here, and the reason I have two is because you know I never finish a beer. Like I'll drink the first, you know, third of it, and then it starts to get warm, and I want another one. Um, I, the first one was a Pint House Burroughs Breakfast, which was good, but then it got kind of warm, and so I moved on. And what am I having? Ashley, you knew what it was. You're having the Peacemaker, the Austin Beer Works Peacemaker. The Peacemaker. I like it. It's yeah, crisp. That's, very crisp. That's not like Wheeler at all. So and you had, I pulled so you out my breakfast beer earlier. Yeah, I did. A Burroughs Breakfast. Uh, and I pulled out my credit card because right before we started this, Ashley threw down some knowledge. You know, Ashley knows her way around Austin like the back of her hand. And you mentioned something that we have we've been here all week covering the legislature and all of the craziness that's been going on in Austin. We're going to get to that in a sec. But, you know, we've been trying to explore. We didn't know about what you just told me. You should have texted me. That's <laughs> what you should have done. Right next door to where we are are tiny donuts. Tiny donuts. And not only are they tiny donuts, they are warm fresh freshly prepared tiny donuts they is come that in a little cup tiny donuts yes is it a food truck or what it's is a little it? somebody yes <laughs> it is a it's a it's a food truck it's rice pink you cannot miss it we're going now there are no ti- tiny beignets or anything no else just tiny, tiny donuts beignets. it's just t- look don't get fancy but <laughs> <laughs> get a donut love the little tiny donut they're great they're gonna come in a little cup so then all we, we need all we, all we need is barbecue, and we've got the right. Holy Trinity. Then. So right. if anyone surrounding us here wants to go make a run, I'm buying if, you, if you're you flying. You have his credit card. I've got my credit card and you know out. what else we learned just before we started recording this, too, is Bud Kennedy was one of the original customers on day one at the, the Texas the Chili Parlor. Chili Parlor back in the days when I had the spicy chilies. So. Wow. Yeah, but that was, back in the, uh, that was back when we were having the last impeachment at the Texas House. <laughs> <laughs> that was way back. In 1976, right? right? <laughs> That's right. Wow. It, it's, it's been a minute. Yeah, and I, here we go again yeah, yeah right I, the uh the chili partner is still sticking with me a little bit after uh, running by there for dinner the it, it sat there in your that's a good nicely. sign hey, thanks for sharing <laughs> uh, it's, it's uh, well you're having the Malbec so uh yeah it's not a Malbec, it's not a Malbec. <laughs> I knew you were this. gonna judge my drink I knew you were gonna have something <laughs> you did say that Whiteley is very judgmental uh, l- let's get into it while Wheeler's uh, slamming his second pint over here. Um, sipping, sipping, th- always is, sipping. You know, the end of the legislature, Bud, you mentioned this last week. The end of the legislature is always kind of hectic because the lawmakers always work best when they're on deadline, like kind of like me and definitely like Wheeler. Oh, God. Um, yeah. But no one saw the big news that's going on down here. I don't think anyone saw it coming. Uh, with the impeachment articles, the House General Investigating Committee sent to the House floor. Well, I think that's one of the questions is, 
was this intentionally pushed to the end of the session and you know why did we wait until the last week to take this what, up but we always been, have all this craziness now it, it's not as bad as because they have these set calendars that you have to the house has to pass senate bills by a certain day you don't have the crazy last minute rush anymore where they're turning the clock back and things like that but this has thrown a, another whole wrench into the the last week of the legislature now and impeachment doesn't have to end on Monday. Impeachment can continue as long as it takes. But, um, you know, I think there's a good question of why this waited to the last minute. I think it's to put pressure on the Senate. I disagree. What do you think? I think you had to get it right. I think if you're coming after the Attorney General right. of the state of Texas, who is a diehard, um, you know, friend of former President Donald yeah, Trump. Right. I think if you're coming after him in reliably red Texas, you've got to get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting as I'm sitting here thinking back on things. It was a few weeks ago that the, the Speaker of the House indefinitely excused the absences. This was right after Brian Slayton. Mm-hmm. He indefinitely excused the absences of the committee. Mm-hmm. And I wish, you know, my antennas went up, but I said, hmm, eh. Right. Well, what is that? I mean, they've investigated, been investigating since March. I think they have to get the articles right if you're going to go after him. And you can't afford to mess it up. Just for context on that, the committee you're talking about is the House General Investigating Committee. Right. The, this was the five-person committee that was, that was investigating this. And the no, articles that you're No talking. one knew about it at all. But when, when the Speaker Phelan said, hey, you guys go do your thing, mm-hmm. no one knew what the thing was about until a couple right, days ago. Because we had already gotten through... Slayton, you still had the complaint. Slayton is state representative. Sorry, state representative Brian uh, Slayton, Dallas, yeah. who was uh, kicked out, right? Yeah. Voted out of the house sure. by the members for allegations against him for his inappropriate relationship with, you know, a staffer mm-hmm. who's under the age of twenty-one. Right. Who he said to give liquor to, but you know. Right. Um. But but we had another we had another kind of investigation pending, and that was state rep Jelani Jones from Houston who you had some staffers quit because they said, so, you know, you thought, we thought we had these two kind of investigations going on with the committee. Right. Lo and behold. Here we are. We did know this was out there and that they might take some action on it. We didn't know that they had called so many witnesses and put in so much work and time. So, and, and, and so in this hearing the other day, they laid out this laundry list of, you know, potential charges. Mind boggling. Uh, uh, It was stunning. Incredible. Just every time you turn around, you're like, and this and this. And a lot of it was, you know, things that have been reported over the years, but it was, oh yeah, oh yeah, the developer, oh yeah, the 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 affair oh uh, you know but but I mean, this there, filled there, in the details there was so there was so much detail and then there was so much uh, oh well, that went on longer than oh he came back and did that again oh I didn't know that it was like there yeah. was all the things that we have known that have been covered in campaigns but more so with added detail and it, it was just the the volume of content was really remarkable. By the way, the four of us, I think, can agree that that, that, that hearing was fascinating. Like, you, you didn't want to look away from it, and it went for hours. So if you're listening to this podcast, by the way, go one back. We just uh, recorded a special episode, the one right before this one. Go one forward, actually, Wheeler. Yeah. It's one back. It's one forward. That's already released. Not yet. Okay, it's not released. We're doing this ahead of time. It sounds well, like dancing forward. at the broken spokes. Stick yeah, around. Much. Stick we're around. Second Our pine here is really affecting his. his uh, I I just got the order really wrong. A pint? Why are you it's calling not a this a pint? It's not a pint. It's barely a glass. Eight yes. ounces. See, he's trying to he's trying to make it sound like a jug. It's not quite eight. I think it's like twelve. We're gonna say it's a twelve ounce. A twelve ounce. And I only had probably four ounces. Yeah, the voice of Austin. Okay. Don't lie to the people. Let me ask you this. So anyway, we're doing a whole podcast where we lay out the entire hearing where you can listen to it yourself, and it's 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 staggering when you listen to this stuff. And it produced twenty articles of impeachment, which are like charges, accounts. Uh, that will now be, you know, listened to by the House. If the House can get a two-thirds majority, simple majority, simple majority, simple it's majority, a simple resolution. So they need eleven, right? That's eleven Republicans with yeah. no the, eight. Seventy-six total. The House, I mean, the Senate would need. The Senate, Senate needs two-thirds. The Senate right. needs yeah. twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you guys this: um, everything I'm hearing, and, and you guys probably too, I, I understand they have plenty of votes in the House mm-hmm. to make this happen. The question is. If, if the House impeaches Ken Paxton, the Senate would, would try the case. Paxton would, would present his evidence, his defense, and the House uh, investigators would, would put on their case as well. Will the very conservative Texas Senate 
convict him. Ashley, what are you hearing? What do you think? All I can think about is how incredibly uncomfortable that is going to be for Senator Angela Paxton. Mm-hmm. His who wife. we should point out in that hearing also, I mean, they made her party to some of this. We're talking about the Paxtons claiming two homestead exemptions. Right. We're talking about some of the things she was requesting in the sort of agreements with Nate Paul about renovations of housing and things that, do you, you see what I'm saying? Right. And so she's what, Ken Paxton's wife. She's Ken Paxton's wife. So And obviously the allegations of affairs uh, on well, his part. Yeah. I, I think that's that's above her now, right? That has happened. Right. That's not new. I think it would be hurtful, but but we're also Still talking, awkward to hear that aired out. Absolutely. Yeah. Again and again, kind of flaunted in front of you. Um, but I don't know. I think the Senate, I, I can't say, I, I just, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, but, but the full court press is on on this, though, and not just here in Texas, but nationally. Uh, he's got some, uh, Paxton has some people coming to his defense. Well, you know, they, they brought out all the, the uh, Twitter sphere and all the, the uh, attack dogs that, that are the, the whole, uh, you know, conservative movement. Stephen Miller. I, I call them the flying monkeys. They've set in the flying monkeys to attack Dade Phelan over this. But the important thing to remember is that the Senate can do whatever it wants. The Senate can convict on one uh, account or on 20 accounts, but then the Senate also gets to choose the punishment. The Senate can choose to remove, not to remove, to reprimand, uh, to make him stand on his head for 60 seconds. The, The Senate has total control and can levy whatever punishment it chooses. It does. It can convict without removing him. So it's open to the senators to decide what they want. I didn't realize that, that the Senate can decide the punishment. I thought that might have been laid out in statute or laid out in the Constitution. Uh, and, and just a quick side note, we didn't mention this in the beginning, but we also interviewed uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. We're putting his entire interview in which we ask him about whether there are enough votes in the Senate to convict. That's going to be at the end of this conversation with Bud and Ashley. So, so you asked us a question and you know the answer? Yeah, you got to listen to the podcast, Ashley. What? Jason does this a lot. Jason, this is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, my thing is, is that, so Paxton has come out through the chief litigator in his office, uh, basically saying, you know, these are misleading charges. They can all be explained. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll all get to hear those explanations soon. Uh, but then, you know, there is a real concerted effort being made now by Paxton to say this amounts to, you know, th- this is sort of a, you know, if you will, a political witch hunt, uh, even though it's Republicans who are in the majority pushing this through. And he's saying, Saying that they're trying to get rid of him because he's pushing conservative principles and they are too liberal and that they are trying to disenfranchise Texas voters, that voters have known about all of these issues that are being alleged uh, before uh, the, the last couple of elections and that they kept electing him. I would bring up, though, the Texas Politics Project, which last year before the primary asked people, what do you know about the problems Ken Paxton is facing? 82% of them either said they had some, not very much, or nothing at all on this. 28, oh, 18% said they knew a lot. Yeah, nearly half of Republicans said they knew almost nothing about it. Yeah. So, the, so I don't mm-hmm. think people knew. And, I mean, we, we cover this stuff for a living. We didn't know half of what was laid out the other day in this hearing. Well, you know, I think that, that when you look at that and you look at the reaction, I mean, this is, we're looking at impeachments now through this political prism of first the Clinton impeachment many years ago and lately the Trump impeachment where everything is politicized. Impeachments. And, yeah. and it's my side against your side and it's not looked at as upholding the law anymore. The, you know, impeachment, you know, we've, there have been people uh, forced out of office under threat of impeachment for small amounts of money and for signing the wrong document. and. You know, there have been officials who went to prison for, you know, you know, some sort of signature violation, and and you know, when you have when you have that kind of emphasis in the past on whether the law was broken or not, and now it's all about is my side winning or is your side, and we're looking at this through the presidential lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we move on and, and talk about the legislative session? Now, it's like we've uh, totally forgotten that they were in the last right. week of a session. I mean, this just blew everything up. You have to imagine this blew up their calendars uh, a little bit there in the House and Senate as well. It kind of brought things, uh, it seems, to a, a little bit of a halt. It was a huge sideshow that became the, the, the center stage. Um, I think going into this one, a lot of, you know, if you asked ordinary people, what do you want? A lot of people were looking for property tax relief. 
probably part of the reason they were looking for that is that they were promised that out of this session. Uh, and, uh, boy, that's been a back and forth between Republicans as well. Uh, turf war. Yeah. They're right. still not there, which means you can't pass the budget. Um, and, that, and you know what? As I'm listening to you say this about the calendars, it makes sense to not bring it. I know we're done with Paxton, but this is my last thing. Go ahead. It makes sense not to bring it until now after they've already taken their last. They cannot take any more initial votes. Everything has to be done. So let's say the voting is done. We just got conference committees and we got to, you know, they're big bills that we got to wrap up, sure. but we just got to wrap up those bills and they're in conference committee. So go ahead and give them something to do, like indicting the attorney general. Mm-hmm. And the last few days of legislature, you know, are usually pretty, pretty slow, sure. pr- pretty slow. This, this one's certainly different, though. Well, isn't this the purpose to say, OK, Senate, instead of complaining about all the things the House didn't do, let's just give the Senate a big to do list here at the end of the session. Let's just hand this hot potato over to the Senate. Keep Dan Patrick busy. You know, it's a month ago that Dan Patrick started calling the Speaker of the Texas House California Day. I mean, all this volatile, you know, you know, mean-spirited behavior started with Dan Patrick calling Dade Phelan names, and now they've made him a target. So I think some of this is the House turning it back on the Senate. And again, this is Republican on Republican here, and we had these dueling plans with regard to property tax relief. The House wanting to, you know, cap what your appraisal can go up by maximum each year. The Senate saying, no, nah, we want to make that homestead exemption a lot bigger. Uh, and, and then the House won up to them and said, okay, yeah, let's make the homestead exemption bigger. Let's take it all the way to $100,000 and put in a cap on how much your appraisal can go up each year. And now the Senate is left kind of holding the bag on this. You know, that that's something that's hard to take away from homeowners in this state once it's been put out there. People heard $100,000 homestead exemption. That's way better than the 40K I'm getting now. Yeah, I think the other thing that's really interesting about, about that is what we haven't heard from the Lieutenant Governor on that. So you had press conferences where Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said, I'm not negotiating bad math. Appraisal caps are dead. They feeling is wrong. You know, I know no one likes to admit when they're wrong, but he's wrong. I mean, he was really coming after him with some fiery language and then the house said okay we got you mm-hmm. Boop, we're gonna put it all together and then we haven't heard and then anything. crickets yeah it's and been it's crickets. like well do you like this plan you talked really so because how can you now go back i think one thing about dan patrick is once he says something he has said like he has spoken yeah right yeah. and you don't tend to see him kind of go back on what he says and so i think is he gonna have to eat his words a little bit on appraisal caps because the house put it in. I, I and don't appraisal know. caps are popular with people too. If you ask the average Joe, like, hey, how would you like to, uh, you know, make an appraisal cap where they can't make your property appraise more than 5% each year? A lot of people would go, heck yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah, well, appraisal problem, caps are popular with businesses. Right. That's, you know, I'm saying, I, that's the problem. It's the businesses that would get the appraisal cap. That's the poison cap. pill. And so what's that going to do to schools? Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Funding of schools. Hey, and Patrick told me, and you'll hear later in this podcast, Patrick said that they are the one-yard line on figuring out property taxes. And he thinks that's going to get figured out before uh, before the gavel falls on Monday. Before Monday. You know, we knew so much of this session was going to just fall in place the way it did. We knew that gambling was going to pass the House and, and not go anywhere in the Senate. Right. We knew that vouchers were the opposite, that they were going to roll through the Senate and that the House would throw up the brick wall. Uh, you know, everything was, pre, was predestined, even even a lot of the votes on, uh, on uh, um, school books and, and on... Uh, you know, Library performances, yeah, on, on uh, burlesque performances. You know, I, I mean, all this was pretty much predetermined, but, you know, the, it was the taxes that was up in the air, how they were going to resolve this ta- tax question. Can we talk about school vouchers here? Because, uh, you know, the governor expended a lot of political capital out there campaigning. You'd think he was up for re-election. I mean, he was going around this state barnstorming, uh, you know, saying, hey, we need these ESAs, education savings accounts, a.k.a. school vouchers or school choice. Uh, and it hasn't moved. Does that go to special session just because he has put that much of his own capital into this? Because it doesn't look like it's happening. I think the question is, will the votes change in special session? Because the House says no right now. And if, if this is on the, the call that the governor makes, if he makes a call and he puts this on there, which it sounds like he will, well, the votes change. Especially in suburban and rural Perhaps areas. Perhaps there should have been meetings with the lawmakers instead Before? of yeah. going out on a campaign and holding rallies 
it's, I mean, we've heard now that after, towards the end of these rallies, towards the end of the session, now there's been polling of the members and talking to the members. Mm -hmm. um, after the fact. After you've gone out, and you know maybe maybe that was the plan, right? Maybe the strategy was get the people fired yep. up about it, amp up and that then, pressure, and then the lawmakers will fall, you know, fall in line and do what their constituents want. But if it does not get passed after everything you've put into it, right, in these past 140 days, do you really want to call a special session and then they not do it again? Mm. Is is that what you want? You know, that's I, not a good look. Yeah, I right. think you know what's happened here is that we need to remember, and we talked about this on Inside Texas Politics going to the session. The narrative has changed. Vouchers were a big part of what looked like a 2024 campaign for Greg Abbott. If he was in the picture for the presidential race, he needed you know to prove that he could get vouchers passed and get other credibility nationwide. You know, at some point over during this session, it's changed now to where you know maybe Abbott's not in that picture, more maybe a, a running mate candidate for someone, you know, probably not DeSantis, but if there's another Republican candidate, obviously DeSantis wouldn't be a running mate, so they could come pick up Abbott from Texas maybe as a running mate. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, at the beginning of the session, he wanted to look more conservative and pass vouchers. At some point, he wanted to be more middle of the road and just not be a, a, a weight on the ticket. And so the, the, the 2024 narrative, you know, kind of changed the whole approach. The vouchers will, he, he will bring them back, I think, and try one more time along with the other uh, measures that have failed, the, the, the bail measure, a few other. He'll have a short session with a few to-do lists. And the, and the House does have a proposal. It's just really limited. It's a small voucher yeah. for a few kids. And I, I think they will come back and work on it again. But I, you know, if that fails, I think they'll let it go. But, but why, would, why would Abbott take the chance of that failing and, and being an embarrassment? Or, or would it be a political embarrassment if he couldn't get the votes on it? I think it's forgotten. Well, I mean, first of all, he's got a compromise now. He just, you know, if he can press for a little bit better compromise, then it's yeah. not a failure. And the, the compromise is the, the House wants to do this just for special education programs, I believe. That's the compromise, right? And, and under <clears throat> low income. And right. low income. And, and F-rated schools. group of people. But yeah, it, right, uh, it, it helps F-rated schools. All the, if your school's an F school, then, you know, you get a voucher. And some yeah. of the other, you know, some of the other measures, open boundaries, they do away with some of the uh, attendance zone boundaries and things like that, yeah. you know, th that will open up more choice for, for parents. Well, here's another uh, hot potato that's tied to that, though, because they ended up coupling those school vouchers with mm -hmm. teacher pay raises. And when it started sinking, that went down with it. Here you are in a state where you've got a record you know, $33 billion surplus this time, and you can't give teachers the raise now that you had, you know, touted over and over again going into this session. That's a tough one, too. Yeah, because the other thing is look at the number of Republicans who sided with Democrats when they were voting on the budget to say no vouchers. I mean, that was an amendment that the House added to its version of the budget. So how do you justify that? How do you work that out and say, okay, but... How about this, guys? I mean, I just... So it, it, unless this shows up, unless teacher pay raises shows up on a, on a special session call, here we are in the middle of inflation, too. Teachers left for two more years. I, that's the thing. If HB 100 dies, you Wait, have to... HB sorry, 100 is a school 100, funding bill. Raises, it's a House right. Bill 100. It's all tied in there and, together. Sorry, and, and it's on. It, it's, <laughs> it's near the end as and we I speak. And I think, here. exactly, if that dies, that's why you have to call a special session. And what you it, cannot let teachers not get a raise. Mm. And one of the reasons it, it, it might die is now it's back in the House hands and the Senate said, OK, well, let's put in ESAs, what Jason was just talking about, education right. savings accounts. Knowing that they don't office. want them over in the House. Right. And yeah. so it puts the pressure on the House to either pass this or or, or be the ones who it. didn't give right. the raise Kill to the teachers you know, and, as yeah. a way it would be. Right. And just on Thursday, keeping in mind the session ends Monday, on Thursday they appointed the conference committee. So yeah. is the weekend enough time? to get it done and make everybody happy. And well, and done we Saturday, need the right? Senate, the Senate need, we need right. the Senate conferees and the, you know, the House is still right. set against it. The House hasn't budged a bit. Yeah, you know, um, one other thing that didn't, uh, a biggie that didn't uh, get through was, you remember after Uvalde, you know, we had those Uvalde parents showing up to this legislature daily, okay? Uh, you remember after Uvalde, we were told, you know, it's not guns, it's people, it's so-and-so, you know, uh, we're going to, here's a thought, let's put an armed officer at every campus. Well, that's not happening either. you got a record surplus, and, and, and you're not committing the, the funds to do it. That was gutted out of the bill. Well, the Senate took the money out, right? The House put the money yeah. in. The Senate took the money out and said we can't afford it. We don't have enough law officers even to staff our 
you know, the law departments we have. And, and so, yeah, that's a question I asked Patrick in, in the interview you're about to hear, too. And, and he said essentially, you don't need one officer per campus, you need more than one. What if that one has to go on sick leave or his or her, uh, you know, spouse? Is, is out, you know, then that, that place goes uncovered. So he said you need three per campus, and we just don't have the money for three per campus across the state for 8,000 um, campuses across the state. So, Which, the, you know, the Senate just said we can't afford it, Texas can't sure. afford it. The main point is there are not enough officers out there to do that. So. And then Roland Gutierrez says, uh, you know, his response to us, the state senator from San Antonio who represents Uvalde, he said, well, you know, here my colleagues are, Gutierrez said, you know, really worried about giving us a couple hundred bucks off our taxes instead of funding school security to keep our kids safe. You know, there are still local options. You know, and Fort Worth has a half-cent crime tax that funds school security and, and police uh, on campus. There are still local crime district taxes that can fund that. How much could that pay for, though, Bud, like in Fort Worth? How much could that pay for? Uh, it pays the, for an officer at every high school or middle school. At the time, okay. the problems at elementary schools weren't anticipated. And there are obviously more elementary schools in every and district. And that's paid for own. out of sales tax money that, that's raised through the crime tax. Any entity can establish a crime district tax and raise money for local school oh. school officers. Mm. Uh, let's go to uh, the grid now. It's always a favorite. Uh, it was, you know, this was a huge issue, obviously, in the last legislative session after we had the near total collapse of the electric grid in Texas back in February of 2021. Uh, a lot of people said, boy, enough did not get done in that last session. We should get it done in this session. Uh, there was uh, some stuff done with regard to the grid, but it sounds like uh, there were some favorites picked um, in, in Texas energy is what happened. I mean... The bills going into this session on the grid were interesting. Yeah. I mean, so Texas should build a backup. I mean, we should build our own backup power supply. It's just they were interesting, expensive deals. And I just, it, there's a lot of oil and gas money in Texas, and I just don't know how you uh, keep everybody happy. Mm -hmm. You know, Republicans campaign on three issues, God, guns, and oil and gas. Mm -hmm. That's who came away the big winner wind, solar, oh, we, we can't put any money into that. It didn't, didn't produce for us. We've got to put more money into natural gas. The natural gas comes out the overwhelming big winner, more money than ever. You know, set aside special, uh, you know, low interest loans, you know, the natural gas, natural gas industry comes out as the huge winner. So far this session, we're not quite to the finish line. And even some experts will say that this is not going to create a lot of new natural gas electricity generation in Texas. What they've done is not wanted by the industry necessarily. Uh, at wind and solar was really worried going into this session. They have to, you know, not be thrilled with what they've gotten, but they have to also be happy about some of the bills that didn't make it through, including, you know, maybe one of the most onerous ones for wind and solar, which was you got to notify everybody within 25 miles if you plan to do a wind and solar project and if any of them say we oppose that then you know you might get derailed now they're adding more gas plants that can freeze <laughs> i won't be cynical i'm, I'm not here to be you already cynical. did it but but you already did batteries it. and stuff like that too which are needed for, for clean energy sure yeah. but at the end of the day all texans want to know is i don't want my power to go right. end of the day keep the lights on right and so once we hit a record summer and then we have hurricane season and we go through all the things that y'all know we're gonna go through mm-hmm We'll see what the voters And the say. primary issue, I'm going to take the side of the natural gas folks here and say their point was, okay, look, it's not profitable for us right. to build excess capacity. If you want us to build extra plants, you're going to have to help pay for it. And right. so that's that's the industry's argument. And the extra plants are obviously important because they can be turned on like that, whereas if the wind's not blowing or it's a cloudy day, the renewables might not be working. Yeah, you need something I, you can flip the switch on. Yeah, I have, I have two last questions here for you. We'll kind of make this a bullet round. What surprised you most? in this session. Bud, we'll start with you. Uh, I just, I think the bitterness, the tone was miserable from the from the get-go. I don't think I ever remember a session where there was just so much acrimony between the factions of the Republican Party. You know, the Democrats are just kind of attendees, you know, it, with you know, very little role. But the, the, the bitterness of the uh, the investigations, the the, uh, the previous, the loss of the previous House Speaker, you know, who was deposed in an ugly way. Uh, you know, that that acrimony continues. You know, Greg Abbott is just trying to rise above it all, and you've got, you know, everybody just fist fighting, and that wasn't a short answer. D Democrats are attendees. That's <laughs> I think my, my biggest surprise is Roland Gutierrez. Senator Roland, so Senator Roland Gutierrez yeah. from San Antonio, who represents Uvalde, 
I knew the moment that he decided to pull a Beto O'Rourke and stand up during that those news conferences and kind of you know mm-hmm. give give the top three a piece of his mind. In that the they, days after Uvalde. In the days yeah. after the Uvalde shooting, I kind of knew things were going to be hard for him. But I thought that what the people of Uvalde went through mm-hmm. would have been enough to at least warrant some sort of hearing where they would have been able to tell the Senate a piece of their stories. Ashley, you saw what happened in Sutherland Springs when people were gunned down in the church. That didn't that, that didn't shake I'm not saying, the pink granite building down here. The I understand, but... but I understand, and that was tragic. And this, and it, that makes this, you know one is not yeah, more tragic oh, right, than the right. other. But what I'm saying is, you had children killed in a school, yeah. and that I'm not. We all know the bills. We all know that where they were going to go, and how successful. But to not even be able to hold a hearing on a bill when we have hearings on, and that's because <laughs> no one want to be on the record, right? Well, no, because you could have left it pending. The Senate could have just left. There are options for it. Again, you didn't have to do anything. You could have protected your members and still at least given the people a chance. And the shock about that is not just that they didn't hear the the children's stories and hear the Uvalde people. (laughs) The shock is that nothing's happened to the DPS to hold the DPS accountable. And nothing's happened, you know, with all the flaws and failings. And uh, that's the, it's a year later, you know. Well, we had three people terminated. Yeah, right. two, two and a half. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. So the last thing I have, how would you rate this session? I started with you last time, bud. I'll start with you, mm. Ashley. You, you guys have covered a couple we, of these. What, what, can you tell me what the rating <laughs> system is? <laughs> yeah. I mean, one through five. Give, right? me, give me one through five. One through five <laughs> yeah. of how Sweet well they better. did. Yeah. Oh, it's better, honey. I get a 2.5. <laughs> That's in the middle. That's higher than I thought yeah. you'd get. That's much higher than I thought. I'm a fair and just kind of kind of gal. <laughs> I thought it might be a point two five. No, I yeah. mean I'm gonna give them. I mean they got a few things. Well, I write a two. Okay. They a got two. a few things that did that, but as I'm sitting here, I'm asking myself, did they get a few? They're things? not done oh, with everything yet. The Crown Act passed. Yes, the governor has signed it. Does yet. it get signed though? He is the question. Wait, he just don't have to veto it. <laughs> you don't, don't got to sign it. You don't have to like it. Just don't veto it. And, yeah, he has what? So many days to sign it, or it goes into law, right? Correct. Yeah. And yeah, so that's fine. So that's my big win for <laughs> the session, and I'm gonna receive that win, and so I'm gonna give them a two. They passed some good things. And the, the Crown Act for for people who haven't followed it is is by state rep. Representative Retta Bowers, and she's out of uh, Dallas County. She's trying to get this passed for, I think, two or three sessions now, yep. two sessions now. And it, it essentially says you cannot discriminate over somebody in school or any public university or public office uh, for someone's hairstyle. Right. And I think what was interesting about this is that we've covered this on our, on our programs before. It didn't pass last time. It didn't get a committee last time. Or it got out of committee, it didn't get to the floor. House, the Senate. No, it passed the it, House. It, did it, pass got house? Added, it got added to a bill and as an amendment. It died in the Senate. It, didn't it, right. it just Senate. ran out in the Senate. But she took the word dread out of there for dreadlocks. And that was she, the only change. That's the only change she made. Took the word and did put locks in there. And I asked her, too. I said, do you think that got it over the top? Because she, I think you mentioned she was taking Representative Bowers, a Dallas Democrat, was taking pictures with, with Dan Patrick at the end of this thing, which was interesting because she had tremendous Republican support behind it this time. Yeah. She didn't know if the word dread had much to do with it, but she got it across the finish line. That's I personally huge. don't like the word dread. Why don't you Dread like it? carries a negative That's what she said. connotation. Oh. It doesn't right. and, and so for me, even when I've had my hair in locks before, faux locks. Faux locks. Um, that means fake locks. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that one out. Okay. Wheeler didn't you take know. French. He doesn't know that one. Yeah. You know, I would not. I just, I like the term locks. I think it's more... Uh, I, I don't like the word dread. Well, apparently lawmakers liked it too yeah. Yeah. this time. But same thing for you. I don't have it. I don't have enough hair for locks. <laughs> that, 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 all, That's why you it, need faux locks. Gray anyway. you need yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to say a two uh, as well. I think uh, you know there wasn't any great. Certainly, there was no big new ambition about health care. We've seen past sessions where you know you know curing cancer and and uh, yep. you know lofty goals for higher education. Just none of that. There was no new. Uh, added uh, bonus for the state of Texas out of this session. There was just holding the line. This session, the House didn't get run over, uh, bullied or bulldozed by the Senate the way it did last time. I think the House would say it was successful. But now we have this end of session surprise, which is another round of Wiley Coyote chasing the roadrunner. 
We'll see how this cartoon ends. My last question for both of you is the red meat question. We saw a lot of it in the last legislative session pass through. Uh, this time there were some of you know the so-called you know voter integrity bills. Uh, you know some of those didn't get any traction really, uh, and of course there were the restrictions against transgender kids that did uh, get quite a bit of traction this time. What was the what, what would you rate the red meat factor in this one? Is it enough to keep the base happy as we're seeing you know the GOP go at itself here in Austin now? Were they able to do enough, you think, to please the base? Oh, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we DEI is still um, on the table, mm-hmm. right, because in tenure, because we've got some issues with federal funding, so those things are in. Diversity, equity, and right. inclusion. Sorry, yeah. diversity, equity, and inclusion. I talk, I talk ledge, okay? <laughs> you do. You <laughs> talk 100% ledge jargon. Ledge, 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 ledge is one. Legislature. Legislative. <laughs> I work in Austin. <laughs> some slack. Um, so I think those things are have more mall back. <laughs> it's a cider. Um, so I think I think they will be happy drag shows, whether you want to call it drag shows or you yeah. want to call it something else. Um, Bud called it burlesque, I think, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bud called it burlesque. I let him make Fa- it those. Yeah. Family show. <laughs> I, we didn't say it about it. <laughs> I wanted to stay within state law, Jason. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, you talk about medications for transgender children. Some stuff with library books, some stuff with schools. Yeah. So I do think that the the base, the red base, will be pleased for sure. There's always a sacrifice to the uh, right-wing voters. There's always something that the House says, okay, we got to let it go. A couple of sessions ago it was... Uh, it was uh, sanctuary city status. You know, it, it, there's always somebody that the house just says, "Okay, we got to let this one go so we can have it in our campaign ads." This time it was the you know children's uh, you know teens transgender surgery you know was, was the issue to placate the voters the next time around. The house always puts one you know one bill in there and just kind of hints around everybody says, "Look." Y'all, we hate this, but we've got to pass it because we need something to run on so we can be back next time. And that happens every session. That, that's what happened this time. That's politics. Over the next 72 hours, I'm, I'm really curious about this uh, property tax bill. I mean, I just, I, I constantly complain about this. They're unsustainable in the state. We've got to do something. Now, whether this is the answer or not, I don't know. But we all got our appraisals recently, and... Uh, no fun to look at. Feeling it, yeah. And yeah. they, you know, said that they would uh, dedicate what half of that record surplus sure. to this issue. And so far, uh, hadn't happened yet. At yeah. least not as of this recording. Not at the, uh, yeah, the recording uh, here. I think we need to wrap it up and send it to your interview of the uh, lieutenant governor here, uh, so folks can listen to that while I go get some of these donuts. <laughs> you still thinking about <laughs> that? Absolutely, still thinking about Thank y'all so much for uh, for joining us down here, and cheers to you guys. Really Thanks, Jason. That. Thanks, Jason. Cheers on getting through most of the session. You haven't finished your uh, your mall back there. Everybody's going to listen <laughs> to that committee replay. Stop judging me. All right, here's uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. <laughs> Hey, y'all. This is where Texas politics gets interesting for another smart conversation on Eolitics. Governor, good to see you again. Glad to have you in the Capitol. Uh, we appreciate you having us down here. Hours left in the, uh, in the regular session. Well, what issues go to a special session right now? Well, we still have a little bit of time as we do this interview, a little bit of time left to decide on the final legislation dealing with the grid, which is my number one priority. You know, everything is important, but if there's not power, <laughs> that trumps everything. So that's very important. Uh, we're very close, I think, but still have to uh, resolve that. School choice has, is now attached to the school funding bill, teacher pay and funding our schools. So it's all one big bill. So uh, that will uh, be decided. Uh, uh, and then we have uh, property tax, uh, which I think we're very close. But look, Jason, here's the deal. We have put $17.5 billion in the budget sitting there for property tax reform. Without exaggeration, the biggest property tax cut in the history of the world, okay, not just America, not just Texas, of the world, $17.5 billion. And we are, the House has agreed on homestead exemption. Uh, So we're talking now about 100,000, 110,000 homestead exemption. For a senior and, and under 65, 100000 So if you live in a $350,000 house, you're only paying uh, property taxes on a $250,000 house. I, I said during my campaign last year, before I leave, and I'm not leaving anytime soon, I'm running again, but before I leave, I want that homestead exemption to be $100,000 uh, and compression, which helps reduce school taxes for everyone. 
but we're, we're still hung up over a few little things and, and hopefully that all resolves itself. So we'll get that done. But those are the three big things. Well, why are those issues coming down to the final hours? You guys had 140 days here. They always come down to the final hours because these are big things and a lot of people have a lot of input on the big things. Uh, and there's a little bit of disagreement, but you, you eventually work it out. And if we don't work it out, we'll come back into a special session and work it out. And the difference, uh, the differences are small, but they're significant. So they may be small, but they're significant and would change the future of property taxes for decades to come. So that's why we're going to stand very firm where we are. We put more money into, we put 2.6 billion more into compression, which they wanted. They've come on the homestead, uh, which we wanted, uh, exemption. So uh, by the time this airs, we'll all know. I was going to ask you, is that going to get tied off? You, 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 I hope we how, don't have a special session on that. Yeah, how, how close are you to, to agreement on property taxes? I think we're very close. Uh, let, let me say this. Whether it's in the regular session or in a special session, people are going to get the biggest property tax cut in the history of Texas, on top of what we've already done. Because, you know, people have been confused, Jason, and we've done a lot of interviews on this. People still look at their appraisals, and I remind them, don't look at the appraisal, look at your tax bill. And last year, uh, much of the media said what we did in 2019 is working because we, the appraisal cap is, or the appraisal is no longer attached, for the most part, to your bill because we limited local government spending to 3.5% increase in their budget. So no matter what your appraisal goes up, they have to lower their tax rate to get it down to about 3.5%. And the Dallas Morning News, Houston Chronicle, Texas Monthly, three publications that don't care much for my conservative values all said what we did was right. And for the first time, the Houston Chronicle said in decades, property taxes actually were coming down or leveled out no matter what the appraisal was. So that's why that's, why that's been a big issue. We don't want taxes to go the other way. Education savings accounts passed the Senate. The House has rejected yeah. it multiple times. If that issue goes to a special session, is anything going to be different? Are any votes going to change? Uh, Special sessions sometimes makes people focus a little bit more uh, on issues uh, because in the session there are, I think the House passed 1,500 bills to us, 1,500, 1,250 in the last three weeks, which makes it tough to get to them all. We passed about 700 bills. A lot of those we call local bills, you know, naming streets, doing different things, but about half of those are really big items. But when you come to a special, you know, it's somewhere between two or three bills, maybe 15 bills, depending on what the governor would put on the call. So it allows you to really put singular laser beam focus all your time every day on those issues. So, yeah, it can make a difference. Do you think any votes might change, though, in the House to actually uh, get that across the line? I would hope so. The, the Senate approved teacher... School choice, by the way, is so important, Jason. Well, Parents have a right to pick the best education opportunity for their child. And there was just a poll out recently, nationally, that parents everywhere want more options for their kids. The days of we're locked into the zip code where our school is are over. And whether it's charter schools, which are public schools, whether it's private schools, whether it's homeschooling, which is exploding. And it's not just because kids are in failing schools. And most of our schools in Texas are good. Most of our teachers are great. But we have 8,000 campuses, 1,200 school districts. They're not all great. And so why should anyone subject their child to going to a school that's not the best it can be. And with children with disabilities, not every school can handle those. So this is so common sense. I can't even understand why someone would be against it. Um, the system doesn't like it. The superintendents and the school system and the unions, but it's about the kids, it's not about them. And so, and everywhere else where there's school choice, by the way, Jason, it's only three, four percent of the public that, that exercise it. Because most schools are good, most parents like their schools. Most kids want to stay with their friends. But where there are those, and in Texas, you know, we have five and a half million kids in public schools. So if it's three or five percent, it's 100,000, 150,000 kids. When I hear these stories, well, we want to end public education. That's ridiculous. It's, we're always going to have 90 percent plus of all kids in public schools. So we need school choice. Let's talk about school funding for a yes. moment here. The, the Senate approved teacher pay as part of that, yes. that school funding bill, but also added education savings accounts. Yes. As you mentioned back in, that the House obviously does not support that. Um, what happens to teacher pay if the House does not pass that? So now it's we call it an omnibus bill. Everything is in one bill. So teacher pay, school, the funding allotment, uh, a number of things along with school choice are in one bill. So if if one part of it goes down, it all goes down, and we'd come back and, and do it all over again. Do you think that will pass? I don't know. 
uh, I, I'm, I'm very hopeful and optimistic, and again, uh, we'll know very, uh, very shortly. Let's talk school security as well, too. The, the Senate removed it. And by the way, again, I want to be very clear. Yeah. We'll be back on teacher pay and school funding and school choice again if it doesn't. So I don't want to think, well, it's gone. No, we'll be back. But back in a special session. It's up to the governor to call it, but I think he will. You feel confident? I do. School security here, too. The, the, let's talk school security yes. here, Governor. The, the Senate removed a provision in the House bill that would put armed guards in, yeah. in, in all 8,000 uh, public school campuses across the state. One year after Uvalde, parents are obviously wondering, is my child any safer at school, especially since the legislature has been in session for the last five or six months sure. here? What do you tell parents across the uh, state? Like any other crime in our community today, we can do all we can do and we should do, um, example, on regular crime, so that we're not defunding police, that we're backing up our police. We want good judges who keep uh, murderers and rapists in jail. In schools, we want to make them the most secure that we can. There's evil in the world, and no matter what bill we passed, no matter what we did, there's always going to be someone who's going to be evil and want to commit a crime. In Allen, um, you know, how do you protect that mall? You know, so you can do everything you can do uh, and you're still going to have it. So did, did lawmakers do enough this session, do you think? So what I'm saying is that, so we're doing all we can. We have close to a billion dollars or more in different in pots of money into school funding to give the schools what they need. Uh, but you could, have this, you could have the most secure system. If someone leaves open the back door of a school building and there's someone who wants to commit evil, they'll find that open door. So, that, I mean, it's, you have to lock it down, be tight. Our schools have to, to do everything they can to protect the schools. We have to do everything to fund them to do it. But there are 8,000 campuses. That's 8,000 principals. There's 1,200 school districts, 5.5 million kids, 365,000 teachers. So we have to do everything we can, and we have to be aware that evil lurks everywhere. And uh, we believe we've, we've, well, we know we've done more than, than ever before. Uh, but we put $100 million after Santa Fe, and I'm very familiar with that near my, my sure. home, that school that happened. And even the $100 million we put in when Uvalde happened, we look back at that, schools hadn't taken out all the money. There was still money left over. So, From, from that bill from five, that six bill. years ago? Yeah, yeah. And that was 2017 or 18. Yeah. And so there was still money left. So uh, everybody has to be in. Parents, teachers, uh, principals, superintendents, legislators. We've all got to be in on this to protect our schools. And you talked about arming, you know, having an armed person in every campus. It's easy to say, but you really need three because campuses are big. Someone's going to call in sick one day. Someone has to take their wife to the doctor, their husband to the doctor, their kid to the doctor. They go on their lunch break. There's a, there's a meeting. In other words, because what would happen? Oh, we had, we had an officer on campus every day, like Uvalde. They had officers, but he wasn't on that campus at that moment. He was a roaming officer. So you're really talking about two or three times, 8,000 campuses, that's 24,000 trained people to protect the kids. We only have about 90,000 police officers in the entire state of Texas. That's, that's sheriffs, that's police officers, that's constables, that's school police, that's game wardens, that's DPS troopers, about 90,000. Um, it's hard to get people to take on these jobs, and you have to be trained, so it's easy to say. That's one of the reasons a number of us, myself included, believe in arming teachers. About, about a fourth of our school districts arm teachers, but a lot of school districts and parents don't want that. Right. That's the easiest fix to get someone and train them under the Marshalls program. But my point is, I'm always weary of legislation that makes a headline but doesn't do a lot. So I just want people to know that this is a full effort that we all have to, 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 to be there to protect our kids because it's our number one responsibility. So we're going down the right path, but uh, we, all need to, we all need to buy in and be very vigilant of, of the, the safety of our children. I want to ask about gaming as well. Yes. Casinos, sports betting. Right. That seemed to have gotten farther than it ever has yes. in the past 20 years in the legislature yeah. here. It didn't pass, obviously, yes. but is there a future for gaming in the state? So, Jason, I was very clear in the very beginning, uh, before session, I said we didn't have the votes in the Senate. And when I said we didn't have the votes, I asked the members, okay? Uh, we're, and I asked the Republican members. The Democrats were all in for it. Uh, but I asked the Republican, we're a Republican majority, so we don't let Democrats on major legislation, you know, run the legislation. Um, 
and of the Republican senators uh, in January, in April, and when the House passed the one sports betting bill, we had two votes, to my knowledge, the two people who sponsored the bill out of our 19 Republicans, and I didn't have any votes for casinos out of my 19 Republicans. So we don't, you know, again, we have hundreds and hundreds of bills flowing. If you don't have votes for a bill, we don't have time to hear hundreds of bills that don't have support. So that's why they didn't move. So Gavin Massengale is a lobbyist, and he stood up and said, you know what, we just have to pass a bill. We know it won't make it, but we have to hang it around Dan Patrick and the Texas Senate. That's a bad, bad way to pass a bill. And so when you say that, um, the senators step back and say, we're already a no. You know we're a no. So that's your ploy. It's not very ethical. It's not very professional. And so if anything, Gavin made sure when he made that statement that the Senate was going to say, we already told you we weren't supporting it. And that's not the way to conduct business. And so um, he heard his own calls, let me say. Do you see a future for gaming in this state? You know, it's about 50-50 with Republicans, um, depending on the bill. Of, you, you can see a poll where there are less people supporting sports betting because not as many people are familiar with it. It's mostly young men between 20 and 40 that do it. So a lot of people even aren't familiar with it, and they don't bet on their mobile apps, and they don't bet on sports yeah. teams. Um, a gaming, casino gaming is more familiar. People like it. They, you know, in the Dallas area, they go to Windstar or Houston. They go over to Louisiana. They go to Vegas. Um, will it happen one day? Uh, probably, but to be honest with you, but I don't know if that's 10 years or 20 years from now. Here's the deal: they spent millions of dollars lobbying on it, and for six months they didn't change one Senate vote. We didn't have any votes in November. We didn't have any votes in May. So, and they only remember casino gambling failed in the House, even though mm. it didn't pass, and the sports betting passed by two votes at the last minute. So, uh, uh, and I think the way it was handled, it's gonna be very interesting because uh, if, if, the, if the casino folks go after the members who voted against it, um, a lot of the Republican primary voters are gonna stick with their people and say, we don't want it. And so they're only gonna turn those people who were against it this time, even to be more against it. Mm -hmm. And, and those who voted for it, they may have some primary challengers from people who say, so-and-so voted for this, so elect me, and so they're gonna get some pressure. So when you put a jersey on people and show where they are, they aren't, uh, it makes them targets in their primary election. So uh, it's gonna be very interesting to see, members may come back even more against it, depending on how, um, how the primaries go. Besides the legislature winding down, of course, the other big news is the Attorney General Ken Paxton. The House is, is talking about potential options over there. If impeachment happens, yes. an impeachment vote there would end up in the Senate for a trial. That's something we haven't seen in more than a century in this state for a statewide official. What's the process? So the process is much like uh, US, the U.S. government. Um, when there was an impeachment, it came to the, to the Senate, the U.S. Senate. So here, if, there, uh, if that happens, it comes to the Texas Senate, uh, and there will be a trial conducted. Uh, I, I'm not at liberty to say anything really beyond that because I will be presiding over uh, that case, and, and uh, the senators, all 31 senators, will uh, have a vote, and, uh, and we'll set the rules for that trial as we go forward, and, uh, and we'll, see what, uh, we'll see how that develops. But, uh, I really can't make any other comments on it. Do, do you think there are votes to convict based on what we Jason, heard from Jason, I House? can't say a word about it. I, I, look, if, would you go to a judge and say, judge, can you tell me how the case is going to turn out? So I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not at liberty to say. And by the way, I don't cast a vote. The 31 members cast a vote. I preside over it. But, uh, but uh, uh, we, were, we will all be uh, responsible as any juror would be if that turns out to be. Uh, and I think the members will will do their duty. I want to ask about clean energy as well. The clean energy producers are, are, are saying that, that the Senate has unfairly targeted them, adding increased transmission costs for clean energy projects, yeah. a new regulatory system for clean energy yeah. with SB 624, uh, and, and all of it, they say, is, is going to hobble that industry. Yeah. I hear from folks who are in the energy industry, separate from clean energy, yeah. they say, well, we need everything to keep right. the grid going here, to right. keep the power on. Yeah. Crimea River, if you have a windmill or a solar farm, the federal government pretty much pays you to do it. Uh, 
they're very important to be a part of the answer because they help keep our costs low and our air clean. I'm a uh, I support it. But you have to have enough dispatchable, dependable resource, natural gas, coal and nuclear, but most of it's natural gas, so that when you hit the light switch, they come on. If we, and let me tell you what, all over the world right now, Europe is finding this out, all over the country, uh, they're finding it out. You can't depend on your lights coming on if the wind's blowing or if the sun's out. And so in 2000, Jason, about 2% of our grid was renewable, wind and solar, mostly wind. Today, it's around 35%. And in another five or six years, it'll be close to 60%. So if you're depending, let's see, Peter Lake, the PUC chairman, was quoted in Bloomberg recently, we're going to need the breath of God to get through the summer. So we've become, like other states, of being having more renewables. Now you say, well, why haven't been people, people been building gas plants? If, if your viewers out there were investors in a natural gas plant and you had to pay for 100% of the plant and the other people don't really pay for 100% and they have all the advantages, for example, if you have a natural gas plant, Jason, and we have bad weather, you have a contract with the grid, you're supposed to deliver so many megawatts, you have to go out and provide that, even if it could potentially bankrupt you. On the other side, the renewables, they make a commitment of having, like I said today, it's 35% on most of our market, it'll be over 50% soon. If the wind doesn't blow, there's like, sorry, wind didn't blow today. They don't have to buy in the market? No, they don't have to buy in the market. And, and, and they don't have any firm, we put, we call firming a backup. So we're now requiring all renewables moving forward to either have battery backup or be connected to a natural gas plant. So we are fifth in the world in renewables, fifth in the world, bigger than California. And we are a natural gas state, it's clean, it's cheap. But in the last 10 years, we've hardly built any natural gas because of what I explained to you. So the renewable people, there, there's the, it's the climate change, Green New Deal crowd. They would like for all America and all the world to be on nothing but wind and solar. And, and it would crash everyone's economy, uh, the world economy, and, and make it very dangerous. So we have put in uh, incentives this session to incentivize people by building natural gas plants uh, because you, it's hard to build coal or solar, I mean, uh, nuclear okay. these days. Although I think nuclear is going to be an answer in the future, more and more small, small nuclear reactors. Uh, they're several years away yet. But we have to build more natural gas. We have to have it, and it has to be now. It takes three, three and a half years to get a plant up and running if we start now. So we have very strong legislation. It's not anti-renewable. It's simply saying, Jason, you, we have enough. We have enough. And we now have to build the other. That's where we are. How concerned are you that uh, this might be a rough summer? We heard what the PUC commissioner said about whether the lights stay sure. on this summer. Sure, I, I'm very concerned about it. And, and people would say, well, why haven't we been doing something about this over the last 20 years? Uh, the way the grid was originally set up, uh, it worked great for 20 years until URI. But we all were somewhat aware of issues going back several years, but it was working fine and again, 20 years ago, it was only 2% renewables. We had plenty of natural gas. So over time, there's been this push. Um, and again, it's good, uh, but it's, the push is just too much. And the other issue, Jason, because of the competitive, the lack of competitive balance between the two, nearly 50% of our power plants, natural gas plants, are 40 years older or more. And the life of a plant is like 65 years. So they're not, you know, we, we've had some new come online, but um, a lot of these plants are going to be retiring in 20 or 25 years. So th it's, it's caught up with this, this big zeal of electric vehicles, by the way, which would really tax the grid if everybody had an electric car, electric vehicles and all windmills and all solar. It's one of the biggest scams on, on people around the world, and they're learning it um, quickly in these other countries and in America. It, I say a scam, it's all good at a certain level. We should have about you know, 25, 35% should be, grit, should be renewable uh, as a mix, but they want it to be all renewable. Um, and so that's been the issue. And the, and the other side has a big lobby uh, and a big message. I mean, it's all you hear about every day, more, you know, more, more renewables, Green New Deal. And the media has, has told this great lie. It's, electric, it's like electric vehicles, Jason. When people look at an electric vehicle, and they find out the battery alone is twenty-five to $30,000 for the battery to replace your battery. What? 
When it takes you 20 minutes at the gas station when most people want to be in and out, can you imagine the lines of everybody, oh, I got to hook in here and plug up for 20 minutes, give me a break here. And it takes you six to eight hours to charge your car overnight at home. Uh, and by, by the way, back on those batteries, what's the value of your used car going to be or your pickup truck when you sell it? Someone says, well, yeah, but I got to put a $25,000 new battery in it. So th this whole deal by the left uh, wants to destroy our, our whole economy because they actually believe it works. And it works pretty well in measure. It does not work pretty well to be our dominant power source. And that's why they're crying a little bit here around Texas because the Texas Senate and the House together uh, have pushed back and said, we have to incentivize natural gas plants. We have to have it. So the summer could be a little rough. Governor, thank you for the time. Hey, always a pleasure. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.